0: Well, hey, everybody. Good morning. It's great to see you out on this beautiful morning. My name is Clay. I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I would love to chat with you for a couple minutes after the service. I usually hang out up front, and if you want to just talk for a couple minutes or if you'd like to to pray together, if there's something I can encourage you with, uh, please stop by, say hello, and uh, let's just talk for a couple of minutes. As Paul mentioned, we're in the last week of our series that we've been calling Are You Listening? And we're... Uh, We're talking about prayer, and we're asking, in a sense, the question, is God listening when we pray? Because sometimes when we pray, we don't feel like God is listening, like He hears what we have to say. And we've been looking at prayer through the lens of probably what is uh, the most well-known prayer in Western civilization, the Lord's Prayer, which begins our Father in Heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, etc and, and it goes on, and many of you, probably most of you, are at least somewhat familiar with that prayer, but it 's actually not just a prayer to be recited it 's a pattern that Jesus wants us to use for prayer it 's a pattern there, and for me it 's been just a really encouraging five or so weeks of working through the Lord's Prayer, praying through it so many different times, looking at different aspects of it, and then getting to have conversations with so many of you. A number of you have come up to me and mentioned how you've been able to have conversations with friends and with family members about prayer, how your prayer life has been affected through this and been encouraged by that. And that's been just such a blessing to me to be able to have those conversations with you guys. And a number of you have asked some really great questions. And probably the most common question or variation on a question that has been asked is, what can we pray for? What's it okay for us to ask God to do for us? Are there any limits? And especially with things that we might consider to be small or or trivial. So tomorrow morning, you've got a big presentation at work. Is it okay to pray and to ask God uh, to help you with that presentation that it would go well that the client that you're making the presentation to uh, would give you the contract after you have that presentation finals are coming up for those of you who are in uh, in high school college uh, is it okay to pray before tests i mean everybody does it right probably the time in you know in this country when most prayers are said are right at the beginning and the middle and the end of, of, of exams is that okay or is that self-centered and selfish is it wrong uh, you know, for us, for us to pray in that way, or you're driving into downtown Summit. Is it okay to pray for a parking space? Because if you don't pray for a parking space, you're not going to get. Hey, I pray for a parking space. Is that wrong? Confession of the pastor. Is that is that wrong for us to pray for a parking space? Is that selfish? I mean, does God doesn't he want us to just pray for big things, or is it okay? to pray for the little things as as well? And and I think that's a really good question because so many people wonder that, and I've asked myself that question as well. And in order to answer it, I want to look back at at a piece of the Lord's Prayer that we looked at several weeks ago, right smack in the middle, the central request in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, give us today daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. And what he's saying to us is that we can or actually we should look to God and say, Father, would you meet my basic needs? Because there is no need that is more basic than for our daily bread, for the staple foods. And whether it's bread or meat or water or whatever it is, Jesus is saying to us, pray and look to our heavenly Father For our daily bread and jesus original audience was jewish and as jews my guess is that the first thing that they thought about when jesus said that was back about 1400 years before jesus had spoken moses had led the the children of israel he had led the israelites out of slavery in in egypt and then they ended up wandering through the wilderness wandering through the desert for a period of about 40 years and every morning for a period of 40 years, God gave them bread from heaven. We know it as manna. And it's really interesting that this word manna, it, it, it literally means, what is it? Because they see this manna spread out on the ground every morning, and it looks a little bit like bread. It looks a little bit like coriander seed. And they're like, what is it? And that became the name, manna. What is it? So every morning when the Israelites woke up, there was this bread essentially spread out on the ground, and God told them, to gather as much as they needed for that day, and everybody had enough each day. But at the end of the day, they weren't supposed to save any of it for the next day, and if they tried to do that, it rotted, it got maggots, it spoiled, it went foul, and they weren't able to use it the next day. But sure enough, the next morning, every morning, there was more manna on the ground. And God was teaching them that he was the one that provided their daily bread for them. And then on Friday, the day before the Sabbath, he said, this day, I want you to gather twice as much because tomorrow, Saturday, the Sabbath, I don't want you to go out and gather bread. I want you to just stay at home, worship me, focus on me, don't do your regular daily chores again so that you can learn to depend on me and to trust in me. And sure enough, they would gather twice as much on Friday and it wouldn't rot overnight on Friday They had enough for the Sabbath, and God provided for them. And he was using this as a picture to teach them that everything, not just their bread, but everything they had came from him. We don't have, in a sense, that opportunity to trust God on a day-to-day basis and see that particular kind of a, a, a picture of God's provision for us because we've got refrigerators, because we've got preservatives in our bread. And so in some sense, we're at a disadvantage to the Israelites because they were forced to depend on God for their daily bread. We also need to depend on God for our daily bread, but it's a little bit harder for us to see our need compared to the way it was for them because of the different things that we have around us, the refrigerators, the preservatives, the grocery store down the street and, and, and on and on. So it's a little bit more difficult for us, but that doesn't mean that we are any less dependent on God to meet our daily needs. We're no, we're no less dependent than they were. It's just a little bit harder for us to see it unless something like Hurricane Sandy comes along and you lose your electricity And all the food in your refrigerator spoils. And you go to the grocery store, and there isn't bread on the shelves. And it doesn't happen terribly often in this country. In other countries, it happens continuously. I spent two weeks in Poland a number of years ago, back before the Iron Curtain fell. And you walk into the grocery store, and you would have for dinner what they had in the grocery store that day. They didn't have nearly the variety that we had. You walk into a restaurant, and what's served to you is what's available that day. So we walked in and, and there was a, a menu and we we're looking at the menu and, and our friends were translating the Polish menu for us. And the waiter came over and he pointed to two different things on the menu. And we asked our friends, Are those the specials? And our friends our friends said, uh, what do you mean by the specials? We said, Is that what the chef is recommending for the day? And they looked at us and they said, No, that's what we have, what they have in the restaurant. This one is chicken. Uh, we think the word that you use for that is baked. And this one is chicken. And we think your word in English is boiled. And we're like, they have a chicken at this restaurant. And so that's what we're going to have at this meal. We take it for granted that we could have chicken, we could have fish, we could have vegetables, we could have steak, I mean, all sorts of options. Yet in other countries, it's so much easier for them to see their daily dependence on God for their daily bread. And so God used this picture for the Israelites to to help them to see their daily dependence on God. And interestingly, at the end of their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, Moses reminded them why God had done this day after day after day, because you see, they were going to be entering into the promised land, and there was no longer going to be food on the ground every morning. There was no longer going to be manna spread out for them. And so Moses reminded them of what God had done and why he had done it, And he said in the book of Deuteronomy chapter eight, he said, God gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors. As it is today, it is humbling for me to think that the reason that I have bread on my table and meat in my refrigerator is because of God's grace. It's not because I'm able to work. It's not because I have the energy to work. Where does my ability come from? Where does my energy come from? Where does the economy that I'm blessed to live in come from. It all ultimately comes from God. And in a sense, that's humbling. And Moses was telling the Israelites, hey, when you go into that land and you do all this work and you farm the land and you raise you know cattle and stuff, and you think that this is because of your hard work, you need to remember that all that you have there is given to you as a gracious gift from God just as much as the bread that you've had every morning miraculously for the last 40 years. And so that's humbling because we like to think of ourselves as smart and capable and powerful and competent. And we are. But our smarts and our our, our capabilities and our competence and our strength ultimately come from our Heavenly Father who graciously gives them to us for our good and ultimately for His glory. But it's not just humbling. It's also encouraging. It's also comforting because I realize that no matter how hard I try, I still can't control things like hurricanes. I still can't control the food supply. I ultimately don't have the control and the capability and the competence that I think that I have. And it's so comforting to realize that I've got a loving, gracious, heavenly Father who cares enough to provide for my needs, everything from bread to meat to food, to clothing, to shelter, whatever it may be. And that's encouraging as well as, it is, as well as it is humbling. Earlier this week, somebody sent me an email with a link to a commencement speech that Denzel Washington gave at Dillard University. And I love the insight that he shared with the students there. He says, everything, everything that you think you have seen in me everything that I've accomplished, everything you think I have, and I have a few things, everything that I have is by the grace of God. Understand that. It's a gift. And here's an actor who is in some ways at the peak of his career, right? We've all seen him in different movies. Brilliant, amazing actor. Done some incredible things. Has a lot of incredible things. Yet he realizes that everything, his talent, his treasure. All that he has is ultimately a gift from God. And that's what Jesus is saying to us when he says to pray, give us today our daily bread. Father, I look to you to meet even my most basic needs, because everything that we have is a gift of God. It's an expression of his grace and his love and his compassion and his care for us. And so with all of that in mind, what can we ask him for? just our daily bread? Or can we ask him for a parking place in, in downtown Summit? And I think the answer to that is we can ask him for anything, anything that we need, but we need to do it with humility. We need to do it with submission. We need to do it in dependence on God, recognizing he's not a cosmic vending machine He's the the creator and ruler of the universe. He's our heavenly father who cares for us. And he wants to give us good gifts. He wants to give us everything that we need. And as a good and loving heavenly father, he doesn't always give us everything we ask for because sometimes we ask for things that wouldn't be good for us. We think they're good, but if you've got children, you know there are times when your kids ask you for things that are not the best for them. And you don't want to give them things that you know are not good for them. So from time to time, God may say, no, I'm not going to give you that because it's not ultimately what you need. But that shouldn't stop us from asking Him and pouring out our hearts to Him. He already knows everything that's on our hearts. Have the conversation with Him. Lord, I'm coming into Summit. My time is short. It would be wonderful if I could find a parking place. Nothing wrong with asking Him for that. But if you don't find the parking place, God, what are you doing? Where's the parking place? I mean, come on. He's not there to just provide you with a parking place. Maybe he's trying to teach you patience. Maybe he's trying to teach you discipline to be a little bit more on time rather than coming in 15 minutes late to the appointment you have or or, or whatever it is. No request. No request is too trivial for God. And no request is too big for him to be able to handle. So go ahead and ask for the big requests. Don't hesitate to ask him for the big things. You're in an impossible relationship. It is falling apart. It is broken, and there is no human hope for the restoration of that relationship. Forget it. I might as well not pray. No, pray. Lord, it's going to take a miracle to restore this relationship, but you're the God who did miracles and gave the Israelites their daily bread. Would it glorify you? Would it be your will? Would it be the best thing for me? if you would restore this broken relationship, please, you know my heart, would you do this? It's okay to ask him for that. Ask him for what seems to be trivial. It's, it, it's prom season, right? Is there anything wrong with saying, Lord, would you help me to, to, to find a, a good dress for my daughter for the prom? Yeah, it's good. Ask him for that. I think he's pleased When we come to him and express those kinds of needs for him to him but we need to remember that the request for our daily bread in the lord's prayer follows the request that says your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and 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 that request is saying lord shape the desires of my heart i want these things yes but even more than that Help me to want what you want. Help me to have your priorities. Help my desires to be the desires that you have for me. And the more that I ask him to shape the desires of my heart, the more I'm going to be asking him for things that are going to be pleasing to him, that he's going to want to give me because he knows so much better than I do what's best for me, so I can still ask him for that new prom dress for my daughter. I can still ask him to to help us to get that contract on that new house that we've really wanted, that the buyer, that the seller, I'm sorry, would accept our bid on that house. But I'll also be asking him to help my daughter to realize that her self-worth does not come from the guy that asked her to the prom, does not come from the dress that she wears to the prom. It comes from her relationship ultimately with her heavenly father. And I'll be asking him to help me to realize that my self-worth is not based on the title that I have at my job, the size of my bank account, the house in which I live, the neighborhood in which I live, the car that I drive, the vacations that I take. And I can ask him for all those things but even more than that new house or that new car or that vacation or that promotion, I'm going to be wanting to grow in my relationship with my heavenly father and realize that it's him whom I should want, not just the gifts that he gives. I can enjoy those gifts, but I ought to enjoy the giver even more. And so when I look to him for my daily bread or for the prom dress or for the house or whatever it is, I'm looking to him as the one who provides for me the one who cares for me. And my self-worth, my value as a human being comes not from what I have, not even from the gifts that God gives me, but from the relationship that I can have with him. And so I'll be asking him, Father, shape my heart so that the things I'm asking you are the things that are on your heart and what you have for my best interest and your heart. I want to share a couple of verses with you that have, over the years, been so incredibly encouraging to me as I think about asking God for the things that are on my heart. One is, is found in the book of Philippians in the New Testament. Book of Philippians is actually a letter that the Apostle Paul, who was one of the, one of the leaders of the early Christian church, he wrote it to a church uh, in the city of, of Philippi, and he said to them, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What makes you anxious? What gets you worried? For some people, it's flying. For others, it's riding on a train. There's this, you know, the accident just earlier this week in Philadelphia. I think it was about eight people lost their lives there and dozens upon dozens were injured. Some people are afraid to ride on trains now. Others are afraid uh, to, to fly. Some people are afraid of public speaking. They have to make presentations at work. Students are afraid of taking tests. Many of us are thinking about what's going to happen 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now when it's time for retirement. There are legitimate fears that we have. And are any of them too small to bring to God? No. No. Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, by asking, with thanksgiving, just come to God and say, Lord, I'm scared about this situation. I don't know how we're going to be able to retire. I don't know what I'm going to do in this situation tomorrow at work when I have to have this difficult conversation with somebody. I'm worried about it. I'm anxious. Would you calm my heart? Would you give me peace? Would you help me to trust in you, to recognize that you who give me my daily bread are there And you want to give me peace as well in these difficult situations. Don't hesitate to pour out your heart to him because he already knows what you need and he already knows what's on your heart and he loves you and he wants you to pour out your your heart to him. Romans chapter 8, verse 32, a couple of verses just before uh, what Dave read for us earlier this morning. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously, graciously give us all things. If he sacrificed his son, Jesus died on the cross and rose again to pay for my sins, for your sins, so that we could be restored to a right relationship with God, so that we could be children of our heavenly Father. If he gave us that, Paul is saying, of course, he wants to give us everything that we need. So don't hesitate for a second whether it's big or small, don't hesitate for a second to ask Him for that. Express your dependence on God, knowing that He cares for you, and no request is too trivial for Him. You know, as as I've spent the last actually it's probably been about for me six, seven, eight weeks uh, preparing for these messages. Uh, I've I've really had the opportunity to evaluate my prayer life, to look at the times when I pray to God and the kind of requests uh, that I make to Him. And I've done a lot of that through the lens of the Lord's Prayer, kind of evaluating my prayers in light of this pattern that Jesus gave us to pray. And this, this request, give us today our daily bread, has actually been a mixed bag for me as I've looked at it, on the one hand, I actually don't hesitate very often to come to God with the requests that I have. I ask him for the parking places, but I also ask him to help me to have a good attitude when the parking place isn't there. But I ask him for those trivial things. I ask him for the big things. But as I've looked at my prayer life, I realized that an awful lot of my asking isn't so much asking as it is whining and complaining about the things that I don't like. And I'm looking at that and I'm realizing that in some sense, What I'm doing is I'm saying, I want my will to be done, not yours. And how come my will isn't being done? How come this person isn't doing what I want them to do? How come this circumstance isn't the way that I think it should be? And as I've been working through and praying through and meditating on and chewing on the Lord's Prayer, I've realized that I've got an awful lot of room for improvement in my prayer life. And I've also realized that in terms of a balance in my prayers, it is so skewed to asking for things, and so much less time do I spend on praising Him and thanking Him for the incredibly good and amazing gifts and blessings and, and displays of His grace and the daily bread and all of the, the different things that He's given me. And so for me, it's actually been both convicting but also encouraging as I've prayed through and worked through the Lord's Prayer to see I've got a lot of room for improvement in that. And one of the things that was really, really helpful to me was a couple of weeks ago, one of our elders led a prayer seminar. And something he shared with us in that prayer seminar was so helpful to me that I wanted to share it with you guys. He went through psalm 145 and psalm 145 was written by king david who was israel's arguably israel's greatest king and he shared that psalm with us and i want to share a few verses of it with you starts off i will exalt you my god the king i will praise your name forever and ever every day i will praise you and extol your name forever and ever And if you go through that psalm verse by verse, you realize that there is not one request in that entire psalm. The entire psalm is praising God for who he is, thanking him for all the amazing things that he's done. And that was both convicting but also encouraging to me to be able to use Psalm 145 as a pattern for my prayers. And then as I started working through that, I realized that there's this connection between Psalm 145 and the Lord's prayer. In verse eight, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. That's the foundation for the request, forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors, because God is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. So I can come to him and say, Father, I have sinned again. Would you please forgive me? And I can come to him with the confidence that he's slow to anger and abounding in love. Verse 13, the Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. That gives me the confidence to come to him to my Father and know that He's willing and able to answer my prayers, that He cares, that He keeps His promises, and that I can be confident that if I make a request to Him, He hears and He wants to answer my requests. The eyes of the Lord, verse 15, the eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. That's the foundation of give us today our daily bread. And so Psalm 145 has so much of the foundation of the Lord's Prayer in there that I've actually begun to pray kind of the two together using Psalm 145 as the praise and as the foundation for the requests of the Lord's Prayer. And it's helped me to have a renewed sense of thankfulness to God as I'm making my requests to Him. And what I want to do now, I want us to end our series on the Lord's Prayer by taking the next four or five minutes and just praying through the Lord's Prayer together phrase by phrase. And what I want us to do is we'll put up on the screen each of the different phrases of the Lord's Prayer one at a time, and then we'll spend a minute or so just silently praying ourselves to God each of the different requests in the Lord's Prayer and just being able to go through that step by step by step and seeing how that pattern can make a difference in the way that we pray to God. And then when we're finished, the band is going to lead us in a closing prayer. So the first phrase, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Pray confidently, knowing that your heavenly father eagerly listens to you. So let's just start by praising, by thanking God for who he is, for what he's done, and thank him especially that he's eager, that he wants to listen to us when we pray because we're His children, and He's our loving Heavenly Father. Let's pray. kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven let's let's pray in light of god's priorities let's ask him to align our desires to his ask him to give us hearts that want what he wants let's pray us today our daily bread. Let's express our dependence on God, knowing that he cares for us, that he loves us, and that there is absolutely no request that's too trivial for him. So don't hesitate. Whatever's on your heart, express that need, that desire to him. Let's pray. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Let's be quick to confess. Let's come to God and ask him to give us the grace to forgive others as well. So let's take some time now and confess any sin that's on your heart. Don't hesitate because he's willing, he's eager to forgive you. And if there's anything that's between you and somebody else, somebody who's hurt you, ask him to give you the grace and love to be able to forgive them. Let's pray. temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray for protection for ourselves and for others, both physically, but also spiritually. Think of those areas in your life where you're so often tempted and ask God to give you the strength to resist the temptation. Ask him to help you to see the way out, the way to overcome that temptation that he's provided for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we can come before you with any prayer that we have. I thank you for your great love, for your compassion. And I pray that we would be quick to pray, that we would not hesitate to come to you with our requests, with full confidence that you love us and that you're a gracious heavenly Father. And I thank you that you hear and that you answer our prayers. I pray in Jesus' name, Amen.